Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. So welcome. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trish Davis. If this is your first time joining us, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, if you've been with us for a whole seven episodes, we are excited that you keep coming back. Episode seven is sponsored by our dear friend Chris Johnson with FC Tucker and Near North Realtors. If you are in central Indiana and are looking to sell or buy, uh, Chris is the person you want to connect with. He has got over 20 years of experience and man, he has bought and sold a couple of houses with the Davises. So if he can handle us, he can really handle anything. And you can contact Chris at 317-414-5332. Again, that number is 317-414-5332. We're here with our good friend, Brandy Wilson. And Brandy, thanks so much for being with us today. Hi, guys. How are y'all? We're super excited. Let's, since it's like a just get real podcast we've already talked for probably 20 minutes and finally decided that we need to press record uh brandy is a long time friend we've known each other for gosh is it like 20 20 years, years? 20 yeah. years it's our, tw- it's our 20 it's year it's our 20 like year anniversary friend anniversary Yes. <laughs> Long before Facebook could ever remind us, we've yeah, been actually real life friends. <laughs> so we know so much about you, but our listeners may um, be new to you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Brandy Wilson. I live um, right outside of Nashville, Tennessee with my three teenage sons. Um, my oldest is actually a freshman in college. So I have two who are living with me full time. And then we have two very spoiled codependent puppies, dogs. Um, one's a dog, one's a puppy. Um, and Jet told me he was home from college a couple weeks ago. He said, you're a way better parent to us than you are those dogs. You're a terrible dog parent. I'm like, he's kind of right. Listen, I'm like, you we want a are treat? Too. Treat. I, I'm a horrible, I'm a horrible parent to our dogs. We are too. You're in good, so, good company. There's no judgment in this dog sucky parent zone. Yes. Exactly. Well, I am a football mom the way y'all are basketball parents, and I end up at a ton of football games, and um, I like to say I'm classy until kickoff, and then you just (laughs) never know what's going to happen after kickoff if my kid's on the field. So, Well, um, we're going to get to kind of the season that you're in right now, but you know, having traveled so much of life together, I want to go back to kind of the beginning of your story. Um, you know, let's say 20 plus years ago, uh, you graduate from Western Kentucky and you get into teaching, but you get married early, like right out of college. And then you and your, uh, then husband, you guys start a church. So talk about kind of that early ministry, that early vision, that early part of your uh, marriage relationship coming out of college? Yep. I was raised in a small town in Kentucky, 400 people, grew up in a traditional First Baptist church, um, started my personal walk with Christ when I was eight or nine, um, and then left to go to college at Western Kentucky University. I met um, and married my college sweetheart. Uh, Six months before our wedding, we actually launched a church outside of Bowling Green in Morgantown, Kentucky. Um, And we're really driven by Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Church. I'm sure you guys remember reading that book. And I thought it was, I 
of course, I love and respect Rick, but the idea of planting a church in small town Kentucky sounded so foreign to me because I grew up in the South and there's a church on every corner. And in my head, I thought, you don't just plant a church, you find one you like and you go to it. (laughs) The whole process of purpose-driven church was definitely eye-opening to me. I was 21 at the time, um, married at 22, and we did ministry in Morgantown for about five years. Um, And I'm still in touch with so many of those people from that time in my life. It was really um, the people, the ladies who were a season ahead of me, Mm. who could talk to me about, you know, relationships and marriage and family and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And then in 2000, we moved to Nashville. I was pregnant with my oldest jet. Um, and in 2001, launched Crosspoint Church and um, here in Nashville, which is a great, great, great church ministry um, with a lot of locations through Middle Tennessee and had the opportunity to do ministry there for 14 years. Um, and I will be honest, I loved all 14 of those years. I loved being the senior pastor's wife. I loved the way I got to invest in the staff. I loved um, getting that front row seat to life change. It's kind of what all pastor's wives say, but it's not just cliche. It's true. You get to hear um, great stories. You get to walk alongside people. And I loved being part of ministry. And then in 2016, my husband chose to walk away from the church and walk away from, um, our marriage and our family and ask for a divorce. Um, and at that point, life as I knew it really ended. And in a 24 hour period, um, it felt like everything was gone. Um, the marriage that I loved and the family that I had dreamed about and the church that I loved serving in. And I was really broken and lost and overwhelmed and full of anxiety. And I had way more questions and absolutely no answers. And I really kind of secluded myself, um, and shrunk down, you know, I'd been surrounded by thousands of people for years and years and loved that, but everything was so public and um, so loud. I really just shrunk down and talked to about three people and that was it, my therapist being one of those, um, trying to just figure out like what God had in store for me. And and it was really um, as terrible as it was, it was definitely a launching point to where my life is today. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. That's just the vulnerability that um, you have in that and just um, the way that, you know, you navigated that season, you know, nobody plans for that or expects it. And there's not a how to for walking through tragedy like that publicly. You know, uh, those listening probably, you know, definitely have caught their attention. Um, uh, I'm assuming many people listening know our story, but um, maybe listening for the first time and just kind of taking a deep breath. It's, it's, you are a, um, a rare breed in your authenticity. Um, you, in those times of ministry, you've started another ministry called Leading and Loving It, which you still continue to lead. You wrote a book. Um, and in your book, there's a quote that has just, it's forever like changed my life. It's like one of those life-changing quotes that we are called to be um, authentic with everyone right? That like we can be our, bring our authentic self and share our story. Um, but we don't have to be transparent with everything and every facet of our lives. And I've really seen you play that out. 
I would love us to like go back to the the beginning of uh, of you as a leader, as a wife, as um, a lead pastor's wife. Uh, what was the, some of those discoveries in those fifteen years of ministry? Yeah, I um, I actually learned I'm a pretty relational leader. I think for a long time, I thought I was in leadership by default because I'd married someone who was in leadership and, um, and life was just busy. I, you know, I had, um, completed college. I had a master's degree in education. I kind of thought I would be doing that for a long time. Um, and I really just loved the ministry piece of it. And I think for a long time, I thought, oh, I'm not gifted as a leader. And then I realized I actually am. I'm gifted as a relational leader. Um, so for me doing ministry and leading means that, um, friendship is going to be involved. Connection is going to be involved. It doesn't mean that hard conversations don't happen. Um, but I think I am able to view those hard conversations as creating vulnerability and mm-hmm. honesty and creating better leadership and a better working relationship when you can have those. Um, so I think even just recognizing that there's strength in being a relational leader and that God made me that way um, was huge for me. I thought maybe that that's just how I was. So I had to figure out how to work with what I had <laughs> <laughs> and to think like, oh, God actually created me this way to lead this way was huge for me. I loved um, being able to invest in the women at Crosspoint, the women who were on staff, the women who were married to staff people, and just be able to bring those ladies together and create community um, is huge. I think people don't realize how lonely ministry can be. Um, And the organization that I work with, with my friend, Lori Wilhite, leading and loving it. um, I was one of those people who I did lead and love it, but there were a lot of people out there who didn't. And those people were even on our staff. So how can I help create community to help those that are in ministry lead and love it so that they can love doing their life in ministry just became a passion. Um, As I was figuring out myself, I thought, how can I help give this to others? Um, Which is really kind of how I chose to lead through those years at Crosspoint. You said something earlier that I thought was really um, that a lot of people can relate to anytime that someone experiences a loss or a death or even the death of a dream or a marriage or something that's sudden that they didn't expect. It seems like it happens immediately. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there was this immediacy to I'm married and now my marriage isn't going to make it and now I'm not married. So there is an immediacy to that, but there was also probably some type of decline or some type of, as you look back now, five or Mm -hmm. six years removed, what were some of those early warning signs or some of the early indications like, man, we might have some issues here. We might have some problems here that you you maybe didn't see then, but now in retrospect, you can kind of like look and see those things. Yeah. Great question. Um, I think you know, we would all agree that when your life publicly falls apart, it's been falling apart behind the scenes for a long time. Mm. And I think the thing that was the most difficult for me during that time is I was seeing these inconsistencies. I knew there were things I was not getting the truth on. Um, I did know there had been some infidelity throughout my marriage. Um, not, not just this final time, but, um, you know, Throughout my entire marriage, there had been infidelities, a couple I knew about, several I didn't until the end when it was revealed in a counselor's office. But um, 
I think for me, the hardest thing with where I sat was I was married to someone who was a lead pastor and a lead pastor of a large, successful church. And I was constantly being told by everyone around me how great he was. Mm. Like, he is so gifted. He's so smart. He's changed my life. He saved our marriage. He, you know, helped me recover from losing my job. So in the midst of me hearing that on a regular basis, then seeing what was going on on inside of my home, I kept thinking like, this is, this is not adding up. There's, there's not a congruency here. Mm. So therefore I must be the problem. Mm. Um, and it's really hard when you're in that situation and you're being told that your partner is, you know, this person that you see differently in your home and you're the only one who sees it that way. So if you're the only one who sees it that way, there was no one there to validate my truth. There was no one there to say, I see this as well. Now, looking back, Justin, I see tons and you know what? We could probably have many conversations about that. I see tons of inconsistencies and incongruencies and people join me in those like, Oh, this didn't make sense. Or, Oh, I didn't know you didn't realize that or, or whatever the situation is. But, um, at the time I just felt like clearly, clearly I'm the weak link. (laughs) Everything's going great. Everything is, you know, moving up and to the right. So I must be the weak link in this whole situation. When I, when I think about our, our story, there was this pivotal moment where, I knew things were about to come unhinged and I, I went to an elder and said, you know, we're not good. And Mm -hmm. his response to me, I remember it was like after church was to put his hand on my shoulder and, and just basically tell me I'm making a mountain out of a molehill because he just couldn't see it. And that was a pivotal moment for me that I either could get help or I could shrink back. And so you've spent all these years you know, um, shrinking back and then trying to find your voice. And then it does become public. I think our listeners are probably wanting to ask a lot of questions, but I think the main one is how do you still love Jesus? Like, Mm -hmm. how are you still this woman who is, um, healthy and, um, putting your best foot forward to thrive in a way of accepting that, when we've sifted our life through ministry, our whole entire life, you know, our, our personhood, our family, our values, um, our identity, and then that's ripped away. We go through this season where we have to reconcile, you know what, just because that relationship fell apart, it doesn't negate the truth of who Mm -hmm. and how God used me in all of those years, you know, all of that cross point has become and life change is tethered to your willingness of obedience. And that can never be taken away from you. So in, in those, in that moment of having to choose, what did that look like for you? You know, just getting out of bed or deciding to believe the truth that you, Brandy Wilson are an incredible um, daughter of God with skills and you're not crazy. You know, that moment of deciding, like, you're not crazy. (laughs) Now what? What was that like for you? Yeah. Um, You know, you guys have experienced this to a point, but there it's very traumatic to Mm. live through the disassembling of a family. Um, And I think initially I did not, I thought redemption and restoration looked a lot like yours. 
it meant a marriage fell apart. You worked really, really hard individually and together. God at the center of that and your marriage is restored and you kind of start new. And I really believed that that would be my story. I believed um, that God was going to put everything back together. And it was when I started understanding that was not going to happen, um, that was really hard. And I remember like laying in the floor face down of my bedroom and praying and crying and begging and begging God to put my marriage back together. Um, and that was probably the moment where, because I remember what was so interesting and I won't dive into that part of the story, but during that prayer, the one thing I asked for was hope. I was getting ready to go to a counseling session. Things were terrible. Um, I'm face down praying and I'm asking for hope, like hope, 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 hope. Well, the counseling session was terrible. <laughs> Just to put it mildly, it was terrible. Um, there was absolutely no hope. Any, you know, and I remember leaving like, come on, God, can't you yeah. just throw me a bone? Yeah. I just need something little. Um, but it was right after that counseling session that I ended up having a conversation that really launched me into having a job that helps me take care of the kids and I. And I remember being on the phone and having that conversation and I remember I was parked because I was driving around. And I was like, I can't have this conversation driving. So I parked in a parking lot. I'm sitting there having this conversation. And um, I really and truly felt like God nudged my heart and say, there's a piece of the hope you asked me for. Mm -hmm. So I think at that point, it pivoted to where I started realizing, oh, restoration and redemption, that's going to happen for me. That's right. Regardless yeah. of what happens with my marriage. Yeah. Um, this is not just, I cannot just believe that I'm going to be put together as a unit. I have to believe I'm going to be put together as Brandy. God is going to heal me. God is going to put me back together. God is going to be the one who takes everything that's going bad in my life and redeem it for good. Um, so I think believing that and knowing that God was going to take care of me, me and my kids, but me and being able to kind of let go of, I don't have any control of what happens here. I don't have any control of what he chooses, what he says, what he does. The only thing I have control over is myself. And um, it was really right around that time that, you know, life felt terrible. And I remember thinking like, life is terrible. Nothing feels good, but I do believe at the core of who I am, that God is still good. And I, I pulled this little journal off of my um, shelf that had been there for a while. And I just took a Sharpie and wrote focus on the good on the front. And I made myself start recording good things every day. So I think part of my healing journey has been the power of gratitude in my life mm. and realizing that even though life doesn't feel good, it doesn't mean that God's not still good. So how can we find God good in our lives? Um, and it's a really simple, practical thing that, you know, I've talked about a lot, but research backs up what gratitude does, um, not only to you mentally, but also what it does to you physically. So I think a lot of my healing, um, not to discount all of the hard work I've done with my therapist, um, the hard work I did when I was at Onsite in their Living Centered program, I've done a ton of hard work um, growing and healing myself emotionally. I've also just made sure that I've been able to look for and find God in absolutely everything that's mm -hmm. going on, even the bad. 
I try to find gratitude in what is going on and how that can be redeemed for good in my life. You know, I think there's, you know, so much truth in what you said. And it's why I think God tells, you know, the nation of Israel over and over and over again to remember, 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 Mm -hmm. because we have that capacity to, you know, feel like, why didn't we just die in Egypt? You know, like they're always looking at the bad, always looking at the negative, always looking at all the, the, yeah, the crap that was going on with their life rather than the faithfulness that God has. And, you know, I think it is, it is a journey of trust, right? Um, I'm working with my counselor right now. Um, my, I couldn't get through my whole story in the first counseling session. So I had to take, it was like two parts. So after, <laughs> after, after the second part of my telling me telling the counselor, my, my story, he just said, you know, other than your wife, every, every significant person in your life has lied to you or betrayed you. Mm. And he's like, no wonder you don't have any close relationships. Yeah. So how did you begin after trust has been broken with a, with a physical person that, you know, you were, you were married to, but then also in some ways trust was broken with God. Cause you made this covenant with God too. How, how have you rebuilt trust, um, amongst people and as well as, you know, cause a lot of things were because it was so public and because you were at a mega church and because your social media profiles were so big, there was a lot of people that you thought you could trust that proved to be untrustworthy and so how, how have you rebuilt trust in people in God over the last few years? Yeah, um, that is, I think, probably still a journey. I, um, I have had an amazing support system through my healing um, with friends that have been incredible. Um, I will say most of my relationships from that time, God has put those back together and restored most of those friendships. There are of course a couple that, um, a couple of relationships that haven't been restored, but for the most part, I'd say 95% of my relationships, I've been able to have conversations that have been healing and helped move me forward and not drag me down. Um, I, I think, you know, doing life with people is hard and you walk through hard things. And, and as I said earlier, there is not a handbook of what to do when a situation like mine unfolds. There's not a handbook for me. There's not a handbook for people like you guys who are watching it happen. There's not a handbook for, you know, the other leadership at cross point to figure out what they need to do. Um, but I think trust is being rebuilt slowly for me. I, um, it's easier with friends. I, um, I used to say I was a naive person and I, you know, some people would probably still call me naive. I think more, I'm just wired to want to believe that people are going to do what they say. Um, I work really hard to be congruent in my life and, and what I say and what I do that those match up. Um, but one of the things my friend Lisa Turkhurst said to me a couple of years ago that man just sticks with me as she said, trust is time plus believable behavior. And, um, the people in my life that I have the most trust with are the people that I've had a longevity of relationship with and their behavior matches what they say. Um, there's a congruency in what they say and do. So that is really a great measuring point for me when it comes to actual relationships, um, here on earth is to think through time is, I mean, trust is time plus believable behavior. Now, you know, one of the areas I haven't really moved forward with is in a romantic relationship. I just haven't, you know, done that yet. I've been divorced four years. Um, and, and I believe that that will come. I know that I think sometimes that healing 
when it comes to that type of relationship will have to happen in the midst of a relationship that I'm just going to have to figure it out as I'm doing it. Mm, um, and I can arm myself with as much knowledge and read as many books and all of that kind of stuff. But until I actually live it out, that's kind of how I learn. I learn by living my life out. So, um, I think when it comes to earthly relationships, that's kind of what I lean on when it comes to my relationship with God, I just, um, I think part of that gratitude just helped me see, cause I've seen God love me in a lot of really big ways. And I've also been able to see God love me in these super small ways that reminds me that he hears me and that I'm not forgotten in that ultimately he knows what I need. And I think it's when I'm able to, you know, you reference the Israelites and have those personal stones of remembrance in my life. It helps me to be able to lean back. Now, I also want to say I am not anywhere close to perfect. And I've had lots of big moments of complaining, just like the Israelites, (laughs) Um, like, God, this doesn't make sense. Why is this happening? Why, you know, um, explain this to me. This isn't fair. Please tell me I'm not the only one to say this isn't fair. God, come on. Yeah. Um, So I've had lots of those moments as well. And I think it's in being able to have that real relationship, because that's something I would say to you guys based like what this doesn't make sense. This isn't fair. And being able to have that relationship with God where I'm like, this isn't fair and actually pour that out. And then, you know, through prayer time, through what he reveals to me, um, you know, in studying his word, that kind of stuff. It's just reaffirmed that guess what? God's fairness. God is fair. God's fairness will happen in God's timing. Um, and that he knows what I need and what I want. And that just helps continue to build that trust as I move forward following him. So good. Would you say that that's like a stepping stone into grief? You know, like it's that acceptance to be able to say this, like really sucks. Yeah. What are some of the hard steps that are just like, you just can't get around it. Like here are some hard things you will have to choose to get healthy. Um, how would you encourage someone in that area? Well, I'm like you guys, and I'm a huge proponent of counseling. Um, and I just think, I don't care if the relationship is with a parent, if it's romantic, if it's um, with a sibling, I think finding a good therapist to help walk you through um, and find your pattern and why you have that pattern. And then how can you fix that pattern moving forward is huge. You know, we often end up in these toxic relationships because that's what feels familiar to us. Um, So I think lots of times we need someone like a therapist who is trained to be able to help point those out. Um, And then also walk us through what are the steps to healing those. Um, So there are so many options for therapy. You can do it online. You can do it on an app. You can like, don't say you can't do it because it's huge to find a good therapist. Um, The second thing I would tell them is just to take one day at a time. I think often um, when we're in those situations, either we jump forward and we think our marriage is ending, you know, where am I going to live? How am I going to make it financially? What is my life going to look like in 10 years? In my head, I thought I would be sitting on the front porch watching my grandkids play with this person. And now that's over. And we jump five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. And we can't, 
it, it so overwhelms us making it through one day is just exhausting. Or we even jump to our past. Like, why didn't I stop this five years ago? Or why didn't I? And the only thing we can choose to do in a situation like that is to live in the present and to think, how can I take care of myself today? What can I do to take care of myself today? What conversation do I need to have? What phone call do I need to make? What boundary do I need to set? Um, that instead of living in the future or living in the past, we really have to think about taking care of ourselves and getting through today. That's good. Let's just pray, people. No, I mean that that's just a good encouraging word. I we've we've watched you um we've watched you on this journey and then there was this pivoting. You talked a little bit about it that there, you know, some conversations were had where you realized that and looking for the good and gratitude that you had this beautiful, unforeseen gift to give to the world as you have launched this new ministry of love brandy, of encouraging, um, coming alongside people, encouraging them. Tell us a little bit about your ministry. Yeah, I, um, you know, I've always loved walking with people. Um, and I've always felt like I'm pretty good at walking with people through tough times. And I realized that, um, after my divorce went public, I started hearing from a lot of women who are going through similar situations who either have dealt with infidelity, walking through divorce, they're single moms. Um, and, and it was really just interesting how much time I spent talking to, other women about what was going on in their life. And my friend Lori would tease me and say, Oh, you ended up with a divorce ministry. You never wanted. And I thought that for so, really that's so encouraging. Because, thank you, Lori. I know. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> She's like, you need a business card for this ministry. You never wanted. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think there's a point and you guys, you know, would also understand this, but there's a point in your healing where, you want to help others, but in helping others, it hurts your heart still so much. So in the beginning, it was just really tough. Um, I remember talking to a couple of people, one girl in particular, whose life was really similar to what had happened in mine. And I finished, I got off the phone with her after like an hour and a half. And I was just like, I'm done. I got back in the bed and took a nap, you know, um, because it, you just remember that heartache. And then I started, I, I just, you know, God healed my heart enough and moved me forward enough that it started getting easier. And I started realizing that I could help give other women hope or other people hope. I've also talked to men. It's so funny. Anytime I say I'm doing something for single moms, I always get a couple of messages like, what about single dads? I'm like, you should start something for them. You should do that. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, but I think in doing that, I was just like, you know what? I, Again, I just believe that God could take my suffering and use it to create a survival guide for others. And, you know, I don't expect people to walk my exact same journey, but I do know that God has taught me enough that I can help bring a little bit of hope into their lives. So I, yeah, I just kind of started um, training and finished a couple of courses for life coaching and um, positive psychology. And have really enjoyed it and decided to start a small business where I'm a life coach. It's called love Brandy Wilson. And, um, I have a couple of things going on right now. It's a lot of individual work. I have a group curriculum coming soon, a couple of group curriculums coming soon, um, for single moms and for divorced women. I've worked with women going through just any kind of major life transition, whether they've lost a spouse to death, um, whether they're an empty nester and trying to figure out what's next for them. Um, I've worked with working moms who, 
who um, have small kids and they're trying to figure out how do I balance between working full time and having a nine month old. Um, so I've just been able to work with a lot of women who are who are going through some transition in life and one to to have some grace for themselves. You know, we are so hard on ourselves so often. I think, you know, we just need to really recognize how much that we're doing right. Um, I think even as moms, we tend to think like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have yelled that much when they were little. And we forget about all the times that we sit down and read books or, you know, built Legos. And um, so I think we just have to show ourselves some grace and, um, and then also to teach some of those coping mechanisms of when you're walking through times that you don't know what's next to help those people figure out what is the next best step for me in my life. So good. Well, what is the website and contact information? Because I know you've, uh, I've seen it several times on Instagram. I don't know if you're still doing this, but you were doing like free consulting or free, a free uh, consultation for people. Free um, 30 minute consult that you can find on my website at lovebrandywilson.com. Brandy with an I. Um, Instagram, I am lovebrandywilson as well. And anything, you know, on Instagram will take you to my website. It's all connected. Thanks to this lady who helped me do that, that I hired. (laughs) (laughs) I have no clue how to connect all of that stuff. And she made it happen for me. So that's awesome. Brandy, thanks so much for your time, for your vulnerability, just for the example that you've set, you know, just redemption is not and restoration is not dependent on your marital status. It's not your socioeconomic status. It's not, you know, your uh, upbringing or, um, you know, family of origin. It's all based on what Jesus did on the cross. And and so I just really appreciated um, just, you know, you speaking into that. And I think it's going to help so many people. Thank you. I always love having conversations with you too. Well, I was kind of hoping you and Justin would sing us out because (laughs) you may not know this, but Brandy and Justin are the best singers I've ever heard in my life. We're the two most tone deaf people in the world. Well, when you lived in Nashville, we could say we're the two most tone deaf people in music city. (laughs) That's true. That's true. That's true. true. And um, we sang for, was it my birthday? We were singing at a birthday party at some some. We were celebrating the two of you and it was the most epic uh, happy birthday (laughs) that I have ever heard. But... Talk Every about services from time to time. Exactly. Talk about finding Somebody the joy. There's some major joy <laughs> when you get exactly. to sit between you two in a worship service. And let me just tell you, they're not quiet with their singing. They are no, loud and praise proud. God. I, I'm, I'll be even more undignified than this. Um, yeah, the, it's a joyful noise noise to the Lord. It is. And you uh, are yeah. such a joy, Brandy. We love you deeply. And we are like abundantly like celebrating you and a proud beyond like even that word even describes you're an incredible powerhouse woman and we are so grateful for your light and how you are continuing the ministry that you have done the past 20 years to help people uh, find hope in the good the bad and uh, in the new beginnings so thanks for being with us thank you love you guys Man, what a powerful and vulnerable episode with Brandy. So grateful for her and just her authenticity, her willingness just to, as we say around here all the time, go first so that other people feel comfortable going second. So no matter what you might be navigating in life, uh, we hope that this episode spoke to you. I want to give you some information. It's also going to be in the show notes, but Brandy does life coaching. She does uh, a group called Unhindered through Leading and Loving It. And she could be a great resource for you if you're navigating a season of your life that you did not see coming. Uh, you can go to lovebrandywilson.com. 
lovebrandi.com. That's love, B-R-A-N-D-I, Wilson.com. And you can book a session right from the homepage uh, to actually talk to Brandy and see if she might be able to walk with you through this next season of life. I want to say thank you again to Chris Johnson of FC Tucker for sponsoring today's episode. Well, guys, one final public service announcement before we sign off. Trish, we have another marriage masterclass coming up on December 1st. Hey, if you were with our first one, you know that we have shortened the name because I couldn't say it. So it is just our marriage masterclass, and it's a good one, you guys. It's four ways to stress less and enjoy family this season. Hey, learn from all of our mistakes over the past 27 years so you can maybe have the first amazing holiday season you have ever experienced in your life. 8 p.m. December 1st. Check out the show notes. You can um, register for free. It's a 45-minute class, Q&A. We're going to give you some tips and tricks that we've learned to actually survive and thrive in the holiday season. You can go to refinance.org slash masterclass and register as well. Thanks, guys, and we'll talk to you soon.